James, it was your birthday. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. yeah. How yeah. how was it? How did it go? Unlike most people who have got birthdays mid-lockdown, I'm counting this one as two birthdays. Why? Well, to try and make up for everybody who's saying they're skipping theirs, I'm kind of bringing up the average a wee bit. <laughs> uh, and it was also just super sad, so it felt like it was two birthdays. I, I, I had work, I had extra work, and then I just had a beer and played some games on a weekday whoa you could have had a you could have had a barbecue right the the weather was good yeah i could i could have had a barbecue but that goes against the spirit of me who complains about (laughs) lockdown being eased i'm trying to not be a hypocrite here (laughs) but you've got to find the balance though i mean it was you're allowed to do that nicola said you could yeah i don't agree with her why not though she she knows more than you do uh because she also is has to take into consideration the average person's ability to to stay in lockdown. Well, and, see that is true. Yeah, so I think I am one of the above average people in that <laughs> in that measure. So I I can apply more strict lockdown rules to myself to try and you know help my argument of like we should at least be telling some people to stay in. You know, no, no, but which they are doing. They're saying go for a barbecue if you feel like you can't stay on your own anymore. Right, but that's that just gives everyone the permission to do it. Yeah, I, I think they weren't. She, she, they weren't strong enough in the way they were using the language. So, so you think we should still be absolutely locked down without doing I, any I of this? I think they should be talking about like only be meeting people if it is absolutely essential for your mental health and stuff like that. But then this, every, like, everybody would say it is. Use your best judgment, ch- children. Just do what you want, children. But from what I've seen, in, certainly in Glasgow over the last, well, 10 days or two weeks, people just do it anyway. And, and there is this disregard for the rules. Yeah, but if you've used the strong language, then it means that when I meet you, sometime later on and you tell me about the barbecue you had i'm like oh is that really super essential for your mental health i did not know it was so hard for you and if it wasn't then you'll feel embarrassed but surely if it was people will be like well yes it'll give me help shaming people who who weren't doing it for their mental health and were just doing it because they wanted to so you had a fun birthday then i, I had a real fun birthday i imagined shaming people for breaking lockdown rules okay. all day that sounds that sounds like a productive use of time. <laughs> well, James, I had a productive week. I didn't have any barbecues. I didn't uh, have any friends to go and sit six feet apart from. Actually, it's a lie. That is a lie. I did actually. I went to Glasgow Green last week and I saw Katarina and Murray. We sat six feet apart. I got sunburnt really badly in my legs. Oh boy! And um, there was an anti-vaxxer protest at Glasgow Green, and it was very Wait, sad. They're still doing that. They're still doing it. I thought they'd kind of got a bit quieter because you know no, waiting no. for the coronavirus vaccine. Apparently, the um, coronavirus and five G is killing you. Yeah, yeah, and the vaccine's gonna have like some some tracking devices in it, so that the <laughs> government knows where we are at all times because they don't already do that with their phones and stuff. No, of course not. Of course not. No, no. <laughs> there was there was something I was reading uh, this past week. Which was, and this seemed to me like some low-hanging fruit, uh-huh. that people who believe conspiracy theories have a lower IQ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fun reading those. It makes it hard for me to keep dismissing IQ as a useful statistic. I hate <laughs> IQ being used in any serious reporting because it's just dumb. Um, because I, I, I've only done one IQ test. You had to do it in school once, or maybe we did it in school once for fun. Really? A big part of it was very visual-based. You had to, like match up where a line was going to end up after it crossed over a plane. I'm like, does that mean blind people have bad IQ because they can't do the visual portion of the test? They just get marked down down for that. They get zero. They get zero. Does that mean that the average blind person has a low IQ? 
That, so that just means that the test sucks. Or it means that their eyesight sucks. Well, yeah, but that's for saying with IQ, people assume it means like somebody's intelligence, but if it excludes all blind people from getting a good score, it's not a very good test of intelligence. There must be there must be some sort of uh, audible part of that, because I realized this is another thing, another realization, that my tinnitus, or my tinnitus, tinnitus. is getting worse. Oh, Colin. To the extent... I'm beginning to hear outside. I should not be able to hear outside. There's other Are noises. Are you still going to gigs about ear protection? No, I, I have always, ever since I got tinnitus about 18, right. I've worn gigs. I've worn gigs. I've worn earplugs <laughs> to everything. However, I've, yeah. I think the issue now is that when I'm recording music, I'm using these big over-ear headphones. And even when it's oh, at its... Put it on too late. Even when it's at its like, lowest level, I'm still thinking, this is this is doing some sort of damage. So I'm now having to put it through speakers, and I think that is less bad. Yeah, speakers are generally less bad than headphones. Um, headphones, it's easy to have them on too high. And yeah, no, it's super, super, super sad to have it. Uh, I thought I I thought I had a pretty bad one once. I woke up the day after I went to a gig. I did use ear protection, and I I had a ringing in my ear, and then it was there for a few days, and then I developed the rest of my usual flu symptoms, and it was a big relief because I was not ready for a life of one ear ringing. <laughs> Hearing issues is difficult. But I'm I'm pretty sure it shouldn't lower your intelligence. Well, yes, hearing us loud and clear. Season operate episode two oh wow. eight. Oh man, it's the morning. I'm not ready for that kind of pain. Uh, it's sort of a horrible segue. I'm Colin and he is James. Mm-hmm. And you are listening to Scotland's least still podcast, the yeah. longest running Scottish podcast for sure. with a season one yeah. of, what, 200 and, yeah. no, 199 episodes? Something like that. Hosted by two people with the highest IQs in their respective accommodations. In their respective uh Perhaps landing level of a building because I don't, I can't speak for Ooh. the muscle head upstairs. He is a, he's a big lad, and you know, big muscles equals big brains. <laughs> the bigger you are, the bigger your brain. Yeah, exactly. Everybody knows that the more muscles you've got, the more IQ you have. I'm certainly the most intelligent person in this flat right now, but that's yeah, by virtue yeah. of me being the only person in the building. Yeah, right now. My cat staring at me, angry face, <laughs> so I'm thinking she's challenging the status. <laughs> The cat knows. The cat knows. Okay, James, uh, let's let's just march straight on. Thank you to everybody who has got in touch with Seesaw Parade. You can do so, if you so wish, via Twitter, via email, Seesaw Parade on Snapchat, Seesaw Parade on Facebook. James, we had a little experiment this past week. We, uh, or rather, I spent some money on some Facebook advertising. <laughs> wow. <laughs> just like chucking money at the Zuck. Here you go, buddy. <laughs> it did very, very little. But if anyone's listening to this for the first time, thank you very much. Uh, you are very welcome here. Join us on the seesaw, which is uh, a little bit dilapidated and falling apart, but nonetheless. Shanana BT got in touch and said, uh, James, she was looking forward to hearing your take right. on the plan to repeal uh, not-in-place-yet quarantine measures for the airline industry. But unfortunately, yeah. those quarantine measures are in place. They've not been repealed. The, the, what I've seen about some of it is that potentially they're going to add some countries to a you may dodge the quarantine list, which <laughs> which did an air on the potential list include the US. So I feel like that would be really, really dumb since the US is one of the few places that still hasn't started having their um, rate of infection go down or their total cases. But they, they do have a lower uh, rate 
per capita than the UK, quite severely. Lower. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I'm not saying like they're worse than us at the at the rate thing. You know, the UK is still pretty up much at the top of most of the charts, um, but I think any country that hasn't shown that it's been being able to um, keep their curve down or to get past the worst of it shouldn't be on the potential skip the skip the quarantine list. Right. Like maybe Singapore could be on the skip the quarantine list because they've got zero. Is it? And they don't have zero. That's a lie. I lied there. Scratch that. New Zealand. That's just because they're the they're the darling of the world right now. New Zealand it is. Okay. And also Murray Wilson got in touch and said, because we all need some levity. And I remember that you guys recently discussed how it would be impossible to watch the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe in correct order unless you watched it scene by scene from different films. Oh, no. Someone has actually went and done it for us. What? <laughs> which is incredible. There is a couple of, uh, there's a small thread on Twitter where somebody has literally gone through every single film, all 23, and put it in order. So the first one is, like, number one, prologue of Thor, stop at the 3 minute 45 mark. Number two, flashback sequence of Thor 3, start at 1 hour 19. And it goes on like that for, and it's incredible, like, the amount of work this guy must have done, and I must have lost his mind but incredibly impressive so if you do actually want to do that uh, it's on our twitter i'll wait till somebody does a re-edit and i can steal it off the internet okay right coming up on the show we're going to talk uh protest the nfl coronavirus face masks and chlorinated chicken yeah but first of all we're going to start we're going to start with black lives matter It's now been coming up to two weeks since George Floyd, an unarmed black civilian, was murdered by police in Minneapolis. The police officer, Derek Chauvin, has now been charged with second-degree murder. Mm -hmm. And the three other officers who were essentially complicit in his death have also been charged with varying different felonies. The protests have now gone into a tenth night. And President Donald Trump, three days ago, Threatened to send in the military, yeah, yeah, to yeah. quell the growing civil unrest, yeah, uh, over the death of George Floyd in police custody. Yeah, you know, he said that if if cities and states fail to control the protests and defend their residents, he would deploy the army mm-hmm. and quickly solve the problem for them. Saying that he was the president of law and order. He, yeah, mm-hmm. this also my favorite TV show. Thank you, Donnie. <laughs> okay, Joe Biden uh, was amongst those criticizing Mr. Trump, which. Okay, thanks, Joe. Yeah, no, Joe. Joe, he's got any, he's got easy pickings for next year. While even his grey brain will will be able to handle something. We have had very little, if anything, from other world leaders. Justin Trudeau, the Canadian Prime Minister, was asked about Mr. Trump and paused for twenty one seconds wow. before answering the question. It's really impressive. I did actually. not hear that one yet. I, it's it's amazing, but he. That's as far as he went. He took so a knee strange. the other day in uh, uh, Ottawa at a protest. And then people said, well, t- stand up to Trump then. You can kneel here, but come on. Yeah, use your voice. Like, we got to look at who's using their voices to express, uh, well, basically disgust of what's been going on. It's the only reasonable thing right now. Let, let's talk about the protests first. There's due to be some in the UK today. There's meant to be some in Glasgow and Edinburgh today. Mm-hmm. The Scottish government have told people not to go, yeah. to stay at home, yeah. but in the light of, well, in the spirit of protests, people are going to go anyway. James, this movement has 
been sweeping over social media and across large parts of the world over the last week or 10 days. Yeah. What's your, your feelings about the movement itself? Oh, it's, it's very important. If people feel it's important enough that they want to risk infection, sure, it's very important. And not just in America. We're seeing America as the, uh, the main example of this inequality and this police brutality. But over here in the UK, you can see figures that are far lower. I wouldn't say comparable, but they're in the same family where we've got people of yeah. uh, ethnic minorities who suffer through incredible amounts of racism, even if it's not the black people in the UK that have the most, statistically, the most um, racist occurrences around them. But you still have the same, like black people are far more likely per million to end up in police custody or to end up searched or stopped. Oh, yeah. And there's a lot of argument about, well, it's not the police that are racist, it's because they all are in gangs. Then we've got to go, well, studies show that if you give the youth a thing to do, they don't go into gangs. So why aren't we investing in them? Or is, it, is, inv- is the investment in our youth disproportionately towards uh, white urban areas and disproportionately towards non-black or other ethnic minorities um, and therefore the systemic racism we might see is less in a the police are racist way and more in a the system is a racist uh, thing yeah. and it isn't helping these people as much as it needs to. So sure, this is something that is worth protesting. I personally, I'm not going to go out to agree to protest it. I'm kind of using the small voice I have to express anger in several different ways. But if, if people think it's worth going to the green over and having a protest o- or, like in person, for sure. If people yeah. thought that kneeling in our doorstep as a sign of um, unity with the cause in America was a good thing to do, for sure. This is all super important stuff because as much as it's the black people who have the worst in America, you, you look across the board, it is poor people everywhere that are getting stomped down on by the police in all different states. It's the poor that are getting um, disproportionately in trouble because they are, even if they're not, more increasingly and more offenders, they are still somehow in prison more and they're still somehow caught more and they're still somehow beaten more. So yeah, police needs to be handled worldwide. Yeah, I think for anyone to say that the Black Lives Matter movement is something for the states and not for here is willfully ignoring the, as you mentioned there, systematic oppression that there is against black and ethnic minorities in the UK. Yeah. Even, as you, you mentioned the protests here in, in Scotland, the family of Sheku Bayo, who was a black man who died in police Scotland custody a few years ago, and that has been repeatedly taken to court and repeatedly no sort of uh, charges or any sort of consequences for those officers have ever been brought, despite the fact that he died in their... Yeah. In their care. Someone, someone's at fault there. The, the, their, his, his family, Sheku Bayo's family, have told people to stay at home. Yeah. But I know people people will go. There will be a lot of people at Glasgow Green today, I'm certain. People will go, for sure. Let's just talk about the, the protests in, in the States. This was after the Trump speech declaring himself, you're president of law and order. As he's giving that speech, protesters are being cleared outside the streets on Lafayette Avenue with batons, with police in riot gear with yeah. tear gas which park police initially said this is not tear gas but essentially were yeah they've now been told it is using gas. a caveat 
to say, well, it wasn't specifically tear gas. Mm. It does the same thing as tear gas, but it wasn't tear <laughs> it's gas. It's not tear gas. It's gas that makes you teary. Exactly. So they've now had to essentially backtrack on that. Yeah. So whilst Trump is giving that speech, the streets are being cleared. He then walks over to a church, which is closed, and holds up a Bible yeah. for a photo op. Photo opportunity, yeah. And then walks back to the White House. Yeah. Apparently this was because last Friday where there was the first night of protesting outside the White House, which apparently took everybody at the White House by surprise, the president was taken to the presidential bunker. Yeah, he went to the safe place. For his own for his own safety. And yeah. apparently that uh, rankled with him that the media knew this and he wanted to show that, actually, no, I'm the president. I can walk wherever I want. No, he's super brave. Yeah, because hiding from a riot and then clearing off a peaceful protest by um, force is is this is like the opposite you know this like it it definitely shows that you're definitely not scared of riots if you go and attack a a peaceful and legal protest so i mentioned the lack of international condemnation for mr trump there has been at least a few voices talking about the actual police brutality though Mm -hmm. and the amount of incidents that i've seen of police violence of you know punching kicking gassing pepper spraying driving vehicles nobody's, at nobody's peaceful protesters from this police violence they're everywhere it's not just like it's oh here's one bad cop there's hundreds of these clips yeah yeah yeah. Like, oh it's just a bad apple you know or three or maybe a, all of the people leading the police <laughs> or, force or maybe all of them it's not at all because we've seen also a lot of police forces are uniting with the protests and leading the protests and helping the protests remain safe and peaceful. So it's not all, but we, but there are so many um, commands coming down from the leadership to use force that it's sheer, that clearly the bad apples are in the leadership and then everybody, all the other bad apples are following orders. But just because you're following orders doesn't make you less bad. So on that note, yeah, it's the entire police riot squad of Buffalo in New York have quit. That is, <laughs> yeah, 57 yeah. officers have quit yeah. after two officers were suspended without pay for shoving a yeah. 75-year-old man to the ground who hit his head so badly that he's now in a serious condition in hospital. Yeah. The video is pretty pretty horrendous. Yeah. And it's the fact that he gets pushed over and the police just casually walk on, but they kind of look at him and go, all right, okay, he's, he's, he's still alive. Let's keep on walking. Yeah, they had to they had to protect the police from the other one dude that had a sign, you know. So I mean, uh, I, I believe the procedure is that the front lines carry on moving and the back lines do the medical stuff. But they did keep walking until the National Guard did the medical stuff. And even the National Guard have been a bit of an embarrassment, even though they're usually the, like, relatively good peaceful team. Yeah. I don't know. That, yeah, there's all sorts of images and videos of police doing dumb stuff even yesterday a video got released of the police like subtly telling uh, the proud boys the right-wing racist proud boys to safely see themselves into their buildings or their cars because the police were gonna i saw that and i'm like you're you're picking sides here you're 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 telling some people that it's time to go peacefully and quietly and giving them an advance heads up and the police say they 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 wanted to do it discreetly because they didn't want to be seen like playing, playing favorites. favorites. Wow. Yeah, that's literally the phrase he uses. Yeah, we got the video. So great. They're playing favorites. They've literally got the down from the command. The commander said, hey, tell the Proud Boys that, to go be safe, uh, but tell them not to boast that we're helping them the most. Right. Hold on. Uh, just just, so to this, just to this point, because there is this overwhelming amount of video evidence of police brutality in the yeah. States. But in yeah. in my view, 
nothing is going to change. Uh, you can this is this is this is the f- position I've essentially found myself in, which is okay. From here in in Scotland, in my flat in Glasgow, I can write an email to my MP. I can you know change my social media banners to Black Lives Matter and do this and do that. But ultimately, nothing's going to change because from here. I can do very little. My MP, I do yeah, not expect yeah. to be able to do anything. Yeah. Is what, a, I mean, an SNP politician in Westminster who's currently queuing outside to vote? I know, right? We'll get to that. Um, one of the only things we can really do over here is hope that Boris has a chat. No, but he, Boris, he's, he's got his own track record of being racist. Yeah, no, Boris isn't going to. Starmer, as the leader of the opposition, has already spoken out about it, which is... Far better than most people can do, but he's in the safe place of the opposition. Well, exactly. I'm sure Corbyn would have done the same. Nicola, I believe, has said that it's hard to not come to the conclusion that Trump is a racist. So, like, one point to Nicola on a scale of a thousand, I guess? It's, well, it's, it's also um, the way you've worded that. It's hard not to conclude. Why not just say, he is a racist? Yeah. Like, I really want to. I really am trying so hard to give him the benefit of the doubt because he is so worthy. But one thing that we've seen... That is important, is that the UK exports a lot of riot gear and a lot of tear gas and it does. rubber bullets. Maybe not a lot of tear gas, I don't remember that one. Rubber bullets and riot gear to America. And we're saying to halt that while they're using them internally, because they're not supposed to. Or at least we don't really want them to, at least not in this way. So we're encouraging the UK to stop exporting. But it's not like that's going to make the United States run out anytime soon. Well, exactly. This is, like in their, this is stuff that we're giving them for their 10th stockpile, because nothing... Uh, gets the same amount of expenditure in America as does weapons and gear. They'll have enough stockpiles to to arm every single individual um, in the entire states. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it's all just bad. We can't really hope for much. One of the big problems as far as getting change in the American system is that the police unions are being interested in the protection of their uh, members have got the power to demand a lot of stuff. Yeah. And um, in most states, what they've demanded is that there be very little oversight, no powers of investigations into police making mistakes and stuff like that, and that all things are going to be handled internally. So that's a failure on the state to give them all those demands. If your police, and this is me talking as if every single one of us is an entire country, if your police come to you as a union and they say, hey, uh, give us no oversight or we will all quit. You got to say, all right, quit then. Yep. We'll handle policing some other way until we can replace you all with people who actually accept that oversight is necessary. Unions are great, but you need a strong state to make them work. And this is just another sign that every single one of the states that has these police unions with no oversight and no investigations and no responsibility have failed. And it's this failure of all the states, not of the unions. The unions have done their job really well, too well, in a way that is detrimental to the rest of the society. It's the fact that in so many of these cases where unarmed black people have been murdered by police, that the police have their body cam switched off. Or yeah, yeah. at so many of these protests, including one, a clip I saw where a officer maced a 10-year-old girl in the face. Mm-hmm. He has black tape over his camera so that yeah. none of that is recorded. People, there was another recording of officers being told to turn off their body cameras. Like, yeah. that that's completely unacceptable, but that's not going to change because the people at the top are the ones who are, as you say, giving out the orders that everyone else underneath is having yeah. to follow. 
and the state has relinquished all oversight to the police. So the police have no one policing them. In the UK, we've got independent bodies that are supposed to do this. And even here, we have struggles with it, put the police not letting investigations happen properly. Um, so I can't imagine how hard it is to get these people to justice uh, in America with all the powers they have to shut down investigations and to clear their own people of charges uh, like, just with a, one mark of a pen. Just before we move on, speaking after the 10th night of mass anti-racism protests across the states, this is on uh, Friday, Trump suggested that George Floyd oh, um, oh, yeah. would be happy about the fact that uh, the American employment yeah. figures were up. Yeah, yeah. He said, hopefully George is looking down right now and saying, this is a great thing that's happening for our country. There's a great, that's a great day for him. Yeah. It's a great day for everybody. And of course, those comments earned swift rebuke from basically everybody. Yeah, but his fans are going to forgive him for the dumnity. On the scale of one, two things that Trump has said that are offensive and terrible. Again, despite the fact this is awful and why on earth is any president using the death of an unarmed black man who died under the knee of a police officer in this way. Nothing's going to happen. There's no consequence for this at all. No, it's it's an unbelievable thing that he's doing. But a lot of people have been editorializing like things he have been saying and trying to say like, hey, look, he's talking pres- like a president. He's, he's being very leader, leader-y. Um, they're, they're, they're picking out phrases where he's talking about like justice for all they're picking out phrases where he's talking about like the right to peacefully protest and the right to be safe but he's also trying to twist the whole situation to his benefit one, he's saying hey look, the unemployment figures are getting better I bet George would be happy and that's disgusting especially because the black unemployment figure didn't get better it only got better it from- actually got worse, yeah yeah <laughs> um, but it would have been disgusting even if it did. Even if everyone in America got employed somehow because of this, it wouldn't be It wouldn't be something to be proudly patting yourself on the back over and being like, well, wouldn't George be proud of me? Um, but he's also saying that, you know, he's looking at the riots and he's trying to tell everyone that Antifa are behind the riots and that leftist organizations are behind the riots when studies have already been done because people can do studies pretty quick and they've shown that the th- people that are like looting and the people that are rioting are just opportunists. They're they're out with organization. They don't have a leader. They're all the people that are doing these things are doing them just because they are also bad eggs. We talked about this. It's inevitable with mass protest, mass riot becomes inevitable if there's no response, and with mass riot, looting becomes inevitable for a response. But for Trump to try and say that the riots and the looting are because of the organizations that he disagrees with is disgusting and it's working. People are reporting on that um, speech as though he's saying the truth. He's not. The people who are looting have been proven already to just be opportunists. Uh, And it's a failure of the state to have anybody who sees this kind of a situation as an opportunity. (laughs) In other news related to the Black Lives Matter movement, the NFL have come out and said that actually they were wrong about players kneeling in protest against police brutality. It's only taken them four years to do this. This is the commissioner, Roger Goodall, who released a statement. He put a video on social media on behalf of the league on Friday saying we were wrong in handling the issue of player protest. The highest profile, you will remember, was Colin Kaepernick. Yeah, I mean, he had his career tanked on him. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So he, he initially, and I was reading about this, he initially, for one game, he sat on a bench when you're meant to be standing up and hand on heart. And then after discussing with a military veteran, he that the person he discussed it with suggested taking a knee. And that has become 
the iconic essentially movement for this uh for black lives matter it's taking a knee yeah and yeah kaepernick was shunned and was essentially all the 32 clubs conspired not to sign him mm-hmm. and eventually he won that in court so four years later roger goodall saying well you know what actually i think you guys have a point yeah you guys you guys might be uh uh, uh, uh you know the people who are right all along Wow. He said in the statement they were wrong for not listening to NFL players earlier, and we encourage Mm -hmm. all to speak out and peacefully protest, which is what they were doing. Yeah, yeah. Just just taking a knee. That's that's all you you were doing. I'm I'm glad when people, you know, turn around and say, hey, we were wrong all along. Yeah. I hope that it's a lesson learned that in the future, if your employees, whether rich or poor, are protesting, you listen to them. You don't try and shut that down. You don't try and suppress them just because you've got more power than them. Uh, because power imbalance is a really bad thing. This is this is overall right now a good thing. But we can still be angry at them and fuming at them because they shut this down when it could have helped a very long time ago. Imagine if the NFL got behind the movement. Oh yeah, that like would be four massive. Four years ago. It would have been massive. We, we wouldn't be seeing protests to the scale this day, for sure. It's an absolutely incredibly huge influence in America. Yeah. They could have made such a difference, and it's too late. So, good, they've repented, I guess. But I, it is such a shame to think about the change that could have been done if they'd done this before um, all of this, rather than as a response to try and help their brand. Um, but we've seen this across the board. So, like, Kanye's now come out and been like, I have never been MAGA. It was all a trick. I tricked you all. I was just trying to Nonsense. get into Trump's ear and help people. And, haha, I'm on your side. And, yeah, sure, he donated to Hillary. He's been donating to this and that the whole time. But he's just picking sides as usual. And I hope that this time it sticks, that he realizes that uh, it's not worth pretending, even if he is trying to pretend. And it's just worth being truthful and picking the right side because Trump was never the right side. The UK's coronavirus death toll has passed more than 40,000, according to the latest figures from the government. A total of 40,261 people have died in hospitals, care homes, and the wider community. That is up 357 from the previous day. The the daily figures, by the way, are still in the hundreds, still in the 300s, 400s, whilst other U- uh, EU countries are down in the tens at this point. Yeah, yeah. The UK is only the second country after the US... Uh, with 108,000 deaths to pass that 40,000 milestone. So we are second in that worst league table possible. Mm -hmm. This is, of course, just a few months after the UK's chief scientific advisor said limiting deaths to 20,000 would have been a good outcome. And now we've doubled that. I think we made fun of that target too. (laughs) I'm sure we did. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) like that's a big number, guys. So at at the Daily Downing Street briefing, uh, Matt Hancock, the health secretary, who was caught giggling like a hyena on Sky News earlier this week in response to questions from Kay Burley, which was frankly ridiculous and outrageous. But anyway, uh, he was asked about the figures and he said it had been a a time of sorrow for us all. Mm, mm -hmm. And each death represented a family that will never be the same again, saying his heart went out to them. 
and it makes yeah, him like... redouble my determination to deal with this virus. Ah, right. So he just hadn't been determined enough before. No, now basically he was waiting determined. for the 40,000 and now he's determined. Yeah, just like just like now Boris Johnson is in charge of government. <laughs> yes, I saw that. Boris Johnson, he's going to take over the control of this virus. <laughs> What's he been doing for the last two months? And his entire leadership is so incompetent. I'm trying to find the one or two names in there that I can put a wee bit of support behind and go, hey, good job. They're all so bad at what they're doing and it is the worst time to have bad leadership clearly <laughs> but they won't accept failure and did you see pmqs where like starmer did his job and opposed government and boris is like oh i don't understand how you can be opposing government <laughs> how have you got any questions to ask of me and like boris it's literally his job it's his job to oppose you seriously and you're doing a bad job <laughs> so although there has been some caution about comparing the international figures because of different methods of, of calculating. If you take the figures for as they are, the UK has the second highest number of deaths in Europe after Belgium. Yeah. And there's there has been, as we've talked about, much debate about whether the UK should have acted sooner. For example, should have should Cheltenham, the racing festival with what, hundred thousand yeah, people there yeah, being yeah. cancelled? Absolutely. Yeah. Should the football at Anfield between Liverpool and Atletico Madrid being cancelled? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Should we have started like quarantine people coming into the country via air airport ports? Yeah. Yeah. We should have done that. Imagine. <laughs> Imagine doing anything smart and then like being competent and then almost being over the crisis by now. And sure, everybody in the world's got to worry about it until we have like global solution. Yeah. Everybody in the world has to worry about. Um, uh, uh, reoccurring waves and stuff like that. But everybody else seems to be putting in measures to help avoid that. Whereas the UK is just like, hey, maybe we'll add some more quarantine rules. The thing is, and this is another fact to, to bear in mind, the crisis has also contributed to a greater loss of life from other causes, with yeah. nearly 62,000 more deaths recorded than would have been expected for this time of year. Another 62,000 dead yeah. just because of the um, the way that this has been handled. James, yeah, so we have speculated so much already about should have the should the UK government or should the devolved governments have done things sooner? And the answer is an unequivocal yes. So my question then is, well, what now? Because clearly everything has gone so badly wrong that we are yeah. essentially leading the way in the, the death toll for Europe. Now what? Now, now what's the solution? So government, and even in Scotland, their focus seems to be on kicking the economy back into gear. You know, we got to get you back into work. We got to get you back into the workplace to get that GDP rolling. Yeah. The focus should have been on health first. Once we start seeing that maybe we've got a little bit of leeway, with the rate of infection, we should have said, hey, you can have the confidence to return to your GP. Go see your GP, you know, or go get your screenings and say to doctors, hey, if your hospitals aren't like completely packed through, you can start getting people in for the non-essential visits. And that would have started saving lives immediately. But as far as I know, I've not really been told that, you know, hey, go do these things. The, the the focus, the first focus should have absolutely have been on getting people back in to see GPs and getting people back into hospitals for the things that they needed, even if it wasn't corona related. Because that's far more important than like starting the economy up two weeks early. And sure, everybody's going to be like, well, economic devastation is going to lead to uh, incredible amounts of deaths. I'm like, probably if the Tories do austerity again, yeah, hopefully they don't because they've learned their lesson, yep. but that will be a failure in them 
as well. Because other countries have recovered from economic disasters without massive spikes in unnecessary deaths. So I'm sure we could do it. But this focus on business ahead of health was uh, the reason that we started lockdowns late. Yeah. And the focus on business ahead of health is one of the big issues that we're facing as we're lifting lockdown. And the government's trying to lead the way by coming back into work themselves which is only going to encourage people to go into work unnecessarily. Right, well, we'll, we'll talk about this. We, we briefly discussed this at the start of the show, which is the lockdowns have been lifted and you're allowed to meet certain people, but to certain people in the country, that has just meant, oh, let's go back to life as normal. So that is yeah. going to have a, a big house party. I know of people who have had house parties. Well, I know an MP that had a house party, right? That was with the news yesterday. One of the big Tory MPs was at a barbecue with a bunch of richos. Oh, really? A bunch of media and asso- and associated friends. There, But even in Glasgow Green last week, uh, because the weather was, was really nice, there were big groups of people who were clearly breaking all sort of rules because... Yeah, but they're just testing their eyes. <laughs> well, exactly. Testing their eyes. The There was a, a couple of... Uh, a couple who were charged with breaking the rules who went to drive i think they drove 100 miles to climb a mountain despite being told very clearly not to oh so people have been given this carte blanche or hall pass to say yes you're allowed to do certain things and people have said okay we can do whatever we want yeah so yeah to me and with this uh track and test or test and trace system sorry test and trace system not ready until autumn Oh man! We're yeah. just going to walk straight back into like a second wave again. Yeah, we got told that we were going to have a world-beating test and trace system, and it turns out what they meant was that we're also going to be the worst at that too. So that that system's not ready till September at least. I completely I'd forgotten about that again. I read it this morning. I was like, oh yeah, that sucks, and I'd forgotten about it while we were recording. And we're back to it again. It's just it just sucks. How can you be so bad at handing out contracts? And why is it so bad? It's because they handed out the contract to their pals again. It's because the government preferred their Brexit friends ahead of like actual competent organizations. There is this idea that in Britain, we are the best. We are the best at everything. <laughs> we are exceptional for sure. Oh, yeah. And therefore, we're going to get on. We're going to beat this virus. We're going to get on top of it. It's going to stare it down and it's going to run away. When in actuality, we're basically the worst. Yeah, but we're the worst. Purely because of the government, but no, but I think also I think also people have to take responsibility. We can look about at that and say, "Hey, look, everyone's going to take, take responsibility." But you got to ask how many people wouldn't have made the choices they made if the government had clear guidance. Right? How many people wouldn't have made the choices they made if the government's chief advisor didn't make lame excuses and get pardoned? You know, there's all of these things that have contributed to people making dumb decisions, but it's all because of terrible guidance, terrible advice. Laws that aren't strong enough, laws that aren't enforced well enough, um, laws that they're cherry picking to like crack down on some people and to let other people off with a without even a warning. So of course people are breaking the rule, but again, it's on the government because they've been so weak that nobody listens to them anymore. Nobody trusts their rules. Nobody trusts their judgment. I think it was one of the somebody said it's one of the biggest drops in government trust in history. Uh, after what happened with coming. So, of course, everybody's breaking the rules. And that is sure. It's kind of a judgment on society, but judge society, judge the leaders even more. So, just uh, we, we mentioned the cues that politicians were having to yeah, do at yeah. Westminster. The coronavirus conga, it's been dubbed. Yeah. This was the scenes as the 600 MPs who had been recalled 
to the House of Commons, yeah. essentially had to to vote while socially distancing, and there were queues, you yeah. know, outside, going round the building, in the garden, yeah. and it was just the most ridiculous shambolic sights. Oh, that's going to be a breakout for sure. Seeing the state of the queues and how unable half the people were to remain at any sort of a distance from other people. Yeah, there's going to be a breakout. We're going to have some dead MPs. So, so Jacob Rees-Mogg has now been facing calls to resign yeah, again because like... of uh, the shambolic nature of this and the, the government's decision to end the virtual proceedings, which was MPs contributing via Zoom and voting online, has been massively unpopular because now you're you've got six hundred people yeah. or however many hundred MPs and their aides, I'm sure, and their aides all back in the same place, despite the fact that as we've been talking about for the last several weeks. This virus is still here. Yeah, and we're told to only go back into your place of work if it's essential, you right? Yeah. So now the, the level of essential is just it's a slightly more convenient for the government to look good. You know, the, there was no reason to do this. They haven't actually told us any decent reason to get rid of this rule and to put everybody at a disadvantage and to probably make some MPs unable to be with their family anymore because they don't want to be having to travel all the way to London and then be stuck there because you can't travel back home again um it, it, it's mad that that mog has done this and he's always trying to sell himself and people that are like apologists for the government try to sell him as just this guy who really likes governmental procedure and he's really good at his job because he just does things by the book the book got a wee bit rewritten do things by the book now please yeah <laughs> he's just not good at his job <laughs> once again it's just somebody who has no qualifications doing a thing that he has not got the skills to do I hope he quits. He won't quit. He will I not. I hope he gets reprimanded. He won't get reprimanded. He will not. He's just going to keep on looking like uh, a rich kid leading people with, and and looking like a rich kid with no education leading people. Although I'm sure he's had an education. Oh, yeah. I'm sure all of the people leading government are very good at memorizing lines. And that's about it. And Latin. Yeah. So they can memorize Latin and Greek and they can recount entire plays, I am sure. They can't do anything useful. Couldn't tell you how much uh, a pint of milk costs. No, no, no. And they couldn't tell us a good reason why all our MPs are having to put themselves at risk. Indeed. Okay, another news. The World Health Organization, which is losing credibility by the week, has now changed its advice on face masks, saying that they should be worn in public to help stop the spread of coronavirus. Yeah. Uh, yeah the global yeah. body said new information showed they could provide a barrier for potentially yeah. infectious droplets. Now, some countries around the world have already recommended or, or mandated the wearing of face coverings. In England, it will be mandatory to wear a face covering on public transport from June 15th. Yeah. But the WHO had previously argued there was not enough evidence to say that people should wear masks. I and mean, now they've decided, well, actually, maybe you should. Like, to me, James, and this is... It seems blatantly obvious that if there is a virus around, put on a mask. Yeah, I think one of the big reasons the the who, the, the, who? the band that lead the world, uh, didn't <laughs> want to come out and say do it is because they were worried that we were all going to suck up all of the medical grade mask supply and that would put all the hospitals uh, well, they've, they've said it's a fabric covering. It's not a surgical one. Yeah. So now they're saying, but people are people are just over ambitious, and they will be buying the medical grade stuff. Yeah. Uh, remember the toilet paper situation, and remember what people will do to try and feel some level of safety. So I, I'm sure I don't know what the new information is. I really doubt there is any new information. There's just a re a reframing, a rebalancing because masks great 
for keeping your mouth from getting infected, but they make people more lazy with their eyes. They make people more lazy with washing their hands. Yeah. The extra security that, that people say makes you actually overall less secure because your brain goes a little bit more into autopilot. I'm safe. I don't need to take care. I think what they're thinking about rather than avoiding infect getting infected is that they're seeing uh, that there are a greater percentage of people that get coronavirus go asymptomatic than they thought before. I'm This is my guess. They haven't released this new info. I'm reckoning that they're seeing that there's, instead of 20% asymptomatic, there's like 30 or 40. And therefore having all the population having have a face covering of some sort increases the, the safety um, for everybody that is encountering somebody that is asymptomatic. Because if you've got the mask on and you're asymptomatic, you'll be breathing out your disease particles and you'll be spluttering out your virus and it will all be getting caught in a mask rather than landing on stuff. So I'm assuming that's kind of where they're coming from. And yep, they're right. We said the same thing about Scotland introducing it, England introducing it. It's like, it's a bit of a balance. It kind of helps. It kind of doesn't. The most it helps is people that are asymptomatic not spread the virus. So sure, I'm assuming there's a lot of asymptomatic people right now. All right, James, let's talk some other news before we wrap up with something lighter. Uh, Chlorinated chicken is back on the menu. Yes. This is months after Boris Johnson said that in trade talks with the US, one of the first things that would absolutely not be happening uh, to Britain's supermarkets would be the introduction of chlorinated (laughs) chicken, which is the funny way that Americans like to to make their chicken. Hormone-fed beef pork, all that kind of nonsense. However, as has been clear in the last week or so, uh, all mentions of the banning of chlorinated chicken have suddenly disappeared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. James, just just t- talk us through what's what's happening here. Well, my big question, and I, I need to find this out, is when whenever Boris makes a promise, because he promised that the UK would not be lowering any food standards... He did. ...in any trade talk with the US. Um, so I'm wondering, when he made that promise, what were the odds on actual betting websites that he'd go back <laughs> on his word? I'm figuring you'd probably make more money on Boris sticking to his word than you would on betting that he'd go back against it because I was waiting, not holding my breath with excitement, just waiting for him to to turn his back right. on this one because he's been he's he's been breaking a lot of promises trying to get them out under the under the coronavirus crisis. He's he's breaking promises with Northern Ireland. He's breaking promises with farmers. He's breaking promises with all of us, um, and it, it it's just another embarrassment because this doesn't help anybody but some rich companies in America because their cheaper, lower quality chicken will become available in supermarkets all over the UK. And people over here, being just people who don't really want to think about things, will buy the cheap chicken. And then our farmers and our our chicken producers will be making less money all of a sudden. So they're now in a bit of a pickle because they either keep with the European food standards and make less money domestically or they change their prices to be in line with the American food standards and all of a sudden we can no longer export to the EU. And that's a problem. So the only people that get helped is American business. <laughs> we get we get worse chicken. <laughs> Our chicken farmers all lose their jobs because there is no good way out of it for them and the EU stops buying our chicken and I'm sure they like it. You know, everybody loses but American business and it's just Boris being as weak as he usually is. There's one instance 
for Boris is still showing some strength and we'll talk about that I'm assuming after this. He still hasn't reneged on his promise for the Hong Kongese. Yes, indeed. The Hong Kongers. Right, James, this is the news as before we wrap up that in Hong Kong, which we did talk about on Cease Operate last week, yeah. thousands of Hong Kongers have defied a police ban to commemorate the Tiananmen Massacre victims yeah. at a at Victoria Park in, in Causeway Bay. So this is the annual candlelit vigil which uh, happens to mark 31 years um, since that happened in 1989. You'll remember the iconic image of a student standing in front of a tank. Well, yeah, uh, James, and, and all sorts of other images that the Chinese government does not want us to see. And all sorts of videos that are getting released. And it's just, it makes me cry every time, for real. Like, it's horrible. Uh, attendees were clambering over barriers to take part, despite the fact the police were refusing to give permission to organisers, citing coronavirus-related public health concerns. James, yeah, they had their big excuse to try and shut down. What, what's, what's your take on all this? You say Boris is, is still holding on to his promise here. Well, so, that that, that can come up after this. We'll, we'll, I'll take this one at a time. We got people in Hong Kong um, showing solidarity with a movement that China crushed um, a pro-democracy movement that was like populated by millions of people across the country the whole thing just got crushed after they brutally murdered some peaceful protesters um in Tiananmen Square and new footage and new videos and new pictures come out every now and then from journalists who were there and they've managed to uh, keep keep their stuff and they and we still keep finding lost footage and stuff, and it's all just heartbreaking seeing it happen. So Hong Kong and other uh, independent-ish territories have until now been allowed to commemorate uh, the massacre. Um, and this is the government trying to shut it down. They've got their excuse. People in Hong Kong saying this is probably the last time they're gonna the last time they're gonna be able to do it because it's they were it, they weren't allowed to do it this time. They probably won't be allowed to next time. And it's just another thing in the list of uh, the Chinese government oppressing the people of Hong Kong, uh, Hong Kong losing its ties to the Western world and becoming just another sub-state. But we've also seen in another oppressive act, I suppose, uh, the Chinese government trying to say, hey, Boris, hey, the UK, stop, stop trying to be invested in the free will of the people of Hong Kong. Yeah. They've threatened us now with economic disaster if we uphold our promise or offer of citizenship UK citizenship to all people in Hong Kong or 3 million people in Hong Kong so we're now being threatened Boris is being told directly hey we will harm your economy if you keep sticking up for this and Boris hasn't immediately you turned on the promise well that's good yeah like I hope he doesn't like I read like the people of Hong Kong need a lot of international backing right now um, because China does not have a good history <laughs> with with people that they disagree with within their borders. So if Hong Kong is taken over completely, anybody left there that still disagrees with the CCP is probably going to end up dead, in prison, tortured, all sorts of bad things. So we don't want to see that happen because we've, we're empathetic people. I wouldn't want to see that happen to anyone, but we as a nation have a have ties with Hong Kong because, you know, we loaned it from the Chinese for a while. Um, 
and therefore we've got some solidarity there. So hopefully Boris can see that the people of the UK have the support and he can use that as the backbone that he doesn't have himself. Um, and he lasts out this threat because we as a people in the UK should entirely be okay with economic devastation if it means that we can keep supporting the people of a potentially horribly oppressed um, region of the world. Cut ties. Stop relying on China already. Please. we got to sort this out. They're, the fact that they can hide so much of their oppression, the fact that they can hide so much of their, their evil is bad. And sure, yeah, yeah, more people in China now are, are living in the middle class than ever before. And there's a lower percentage of poverty in China now than ever before. Well done, a totalitarian capitalism slash um, communism. It's a very weird mix. But come on, we got we to gotta be looking at the, the worst off and, and trying to sympathize with them in some way. And I'm not saying democracy is great, <laughs> for real. <laughs> look at America, look at here. <laughs> Most places are bad, but, you know, if Hong Kong wants a thing, we should be backing them as they try and get their thing. James, let's wrap up with what have you been watching slash reading slash doing this week have you anything to review for us i've got two i've been super busy at work i haven't finished any series but i have spent a fair amount of time on a game that i've been meaning to buy for a while and i treated myself to oh a birthday game yeah a james birthday game <laughs> a birthday james birthday james okay before we get to your birthday james let me talk you through all right uh, in fact, would you like to hear the latest in my Marvel watch along or Community Season 2? Yeah, no, start with the, start with the watch along. Right, okay, so this week was Thor, and my goodness, it is a bad film. <laughs> it is so much worse than I remember it being. <laughs> yeah. So, just, I'm going to start with the only good things, and here are the only good things. Anthony Hopkins... Anthony Hopkins is great. He smashes a mug once. That's funny. Idris Elba is just a cool guy. And I, I did quite like him in this. Yeah. And there is yeah. maybe, yeah, there's that one scene where Chris Hemsworth smashes a coffee mug and it's a little bit funny. That's yeah. basically yeah. it. <laughs> it's just, yeah. oh, in fact, Everything sorry, sorry. Else. Like the acting is bad. Stellan Sarsgaard. Stellan Sarsgaard is also very good as Eric Selvig. I okay, do like him. Yeah. However, yeah. Let's just, I'll start with the bullet points I've got here. There is some very iffy CGI and graphics throughout the entire thing. The editing is all over the place. Loki's introduction to the film is a half second cutaway of his face. That's all it is. Just no sort of background introduction. That's the first time you see him. It's just a random cutaway. Anyway, the dialogue is hammy and bad and it seems unfinished as well. There's a couple of, a couple of parts where... Uh, one of the actors say something and you expect them to come back with a second line and they just don't the yeah the performances from the cast i'm gonna start with chris hemsworth his accent is pretty ropey at the best yeah. of times he you hear the twang of his australian coming through and other times it's just far too over the top shakespearean however it was directed by kenneth branagh mm -hmm. who is you know shakespeare background so i understand that uh, tom hiddleston is towards the end of the film and this is the same with other marvel introductions to characters they're all still figuring out who they really are yeah and so he only really becomes this and i'm using my uh air quotes here iconic 
villain mm-hmm. only in the last like 10 minutes he only really starts to come into his own there like before that he's just this random dude who happens to be thor's brother uh thor's pals actually do get some lines in this but they are such yeah 2d wrote characters like thinly sketched characters one of them is a woman one of them has a beard one of them giggles whilst he's fighting and that's basically it that's the yeah. only character development they Man, get there, there was they had so much potential and they never really got used that's the, one of the biggest tragedies of marvel <sighs> and one of the points that stands out the most for me is that this film is full of constant unfunny slapstick moments yeah things like thor getting run over by a car twice Thor saying, I am the mighty Thor, and then someone injects him with a needle and he collapses and he his face smushes up against the glass of window. Like it it's constant. He Thor's taking Stellan Skarsgar's character in from a drunken night out and he hits his head on the roof. Ha ha ha. It's <laughs> terrible. I just forgot how bad this film was. Don't watch it. Rubbish. Absolute rubbish. Yeah, we kind of forgive the Thors a lot because the third one was good, but yeah. We mustn't forgive. We gotta hold Marvel accountable to their atrocities too. This this film is almost 10 years old and wow. I, I think yeah, I would have been still a teenager when I watched it first. So I think my teenage self obviously liked it a lot more. But watching it now, I just thought this is... I wanted it to end. It just isn't a good film at all. Yeah. Very few, if any, redeeming qualities. He's Thor is much better in in, uh, in the Avengers, which I think is maybe in a fortnight's time, but we'll get to that. Right, James, what game did you play? I played Domina. Domina? Domina. What is that? It's, it's a game where you just, you, you just manage a gladiator ludus. You're just managing some gladiators. You're training them up and sending them off to do their little gladiator fights and watching them wow. kill and or be killed. It's just really fun. I can't really say much else about it. It's like pixely 2D. The soundtrack, actually, I can right. say a lot about it. The soundtrack is so good. I would have bought the game just for the soundtrack. Um, it's just it's just been one of, a small game that's been on my radar for a long time. And I was like, I bet I would enjoy playing that. Because you just sit back and watch things happen and manage it. And I'm very much a good, a good brain for sitting back and watching things happen and managing it. Nice. Yeah. yeah. It's real satisfying to play. I'm not very good at it yet, but you know, give I'll it get time. There, I would highly recommend it as a game, and it's gonna be—it's still kind of small. It's not done, but it's gonna go places. Tremendous. Okay, James. Just to wrap up, I have also finished Community Season Two, <gasps> and uh, I'll say that yeah, it's still a fun show. I didn't think it was as funny as the first season. Mm-hmm. Still a few good episodes in it. The paintball ones, for example, that finish off the season, very oh, good. Yeah, still yeah, not as good yeah. as the first one, though. Again, you're not as, but had some real good moments too. I had so had some excellent moments, and there are some excellent moments throughout the season. My underlying uh, feeling about this, though, is that Chevy Chase's character of Pierce Hawthorne is just the worst. Mm-hmm. And clearly, the storyline they've written for him, where nobody in the group likes him and they're all trying to get rid of him, seems much more true to life than in any other yeah, storyline. Yeah, that was a reflection of the real the real goings on of the show that is genuinely the feeling i get despite not having you know let's say i hadn't read about it that is the the impression i get that nobody actually like this likes this guy yeah um yes the community it as it goes on the seasons get progressively less impressive yeah but there are individual episodes within those seasons that are more impressive okay um so there are still some absolute golden episodes coming for you like properly incredible tv is still to come so don't worry 
it is still worth it. Sounds good. Even if overall it gets a bit hammy and it gets a bit flanderized. It's just the way that, what do you call him, writes? Harmon. Oh, yeah. Harmon is very good at writing season ones and then he runs out of ideas for how to make characters develop and therefore all future seasons there's just one or two episodes that are that are better but most of them are slightly worse fair enough right james thank you very much we have crashed through the hour mark again and i will see you next week absolutely bye bye colin and bye bye listeners (laughs) yeah see you later bye